faith and life. For some people, they're parallel roads. They never come into contact with each other. One never influences the other. Yet for some other people, faith and life are more like intersecting roads. Often they're running opposite each other, but where they do intersect, wonderful God moments can be experienced. But yet for just a few, the two roads merge into one, and the results are truly a highway to heaven. What does the road of faith and life look like in your world? We're finishing up our message series this morning, Anchored, and, and I've enjoyed preaching it, and I hope that you've enjoyed uh, hearing it, but just been talking about ways in which we should anchor ourselves um, so that uh, we'll be able to survive the storms and, and just the difficulties that we experience as we go through life. We talked about and started off about being anchored in the presence of Christ and how important that is. Then we talked about uh, being anchored in obedience, how we follow Christ, being anchored in, in, in our trust, that we trust Christ to handle all the difficulties in our life. Last week, we talked about being anchored in truth, and that is really that we're ultimately anchored in, in God's Word. And this morning, I want to talk to you about being anchored in the Holy Spirit, anchored in the Spirit of God. Um, Jesus uh, gives a very interesting promise to the disciples before he ascends into heaven, and it, we see it in Acts 1.8. Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a very interesting phrase. Jesus not, not only says my spirit, or the Holy Spirit is going to be coming upon you, but when he does, you will receive power. So I want to talk this morning about being anchored in God's spirit, and if we're anchored in God's spirit, the power uh, that comes along with that. What is Jesus referring to when he says uh, you will receive power? Um, now, in in general, um, as people, uh, we kind of like power. Um, that's why we, uh, the Avengers are so popular. People love to see all the, you know, the, the th things that the Avengers can do. They're so powerful. It's why things like Star Wars and, and, and just, you know, the power that comes with the force. Um, even when I was a kid, there was like Justice League and, uh, you know, Superman and, and Wonder Twins and Spider-Man. You, you get what I'm saying? Where we just, we love stuff where people have power. But not just like physical power, we, we like, like other power as well, because power is not just physical. Um, people that have a lot of influence power. So maybe you, uh, you really like being kind of connected to the CEO of your company, because listen, if you're in with the CEO, he's got power. Um, depending on your political party and who's in office, uh, you know, it would be flattering to uh, be connected to the governor and the power that the governor has or the power that the president has. Uh, you get what I'm saying. But here's what's interesting is when Jesus talks about the power that, that will come from the Holy Spirit, it's a different kind of power because th there, there's real power and then there's pretend and fake power. And we, we want to differentiate that so that we can understand what is this power that Jesus says will come upon us. Now, what do I mean that there's real and, and fake power? Well, we, we see it when Jesus is talking to Pilate, when Pilate is questioning Jesus about his kingdom and so forth. Jesus says, my kingdom and my power is really not of this world. He says elsewhere, he can call down legions of angels who, who would have come and rescued him from the cross. Uh, Jesus has real power, but it's not of this earth. And, and he compares his power with the power of Pilate. Pilate appeared to have power, but really Pilate had no power at all. The only power 
power that Pilate had was the power that God had granted him. So we have real power and we have fake power. But the problem is, is we all go around pretending or thinking that fake power is real power. How would I explain that? Well, I remember as a kid, um, you know, we didn't have all those fancy toys that they have nowadays. So like there was like play food right? And so there's a, there's a play, at my grandpa's house, there's this play kitchen with play food. And, and when we would go over to grandpa's house, you know, what kids would do, we'd just walk up to everyone, we'd take their order. And once you got their order, then you'd pretend on your play kitchen to cook up the play food. And then you'd pretend to be a server and you'd serve them, you know, their, their, their play food and, and they would pretend to eat it, but they had to pay you. And then, you know, and you just did this until they got really tired of it, you know, after doing it 10, 15 times or whatever, but, you know, everyone just kind of went along with it. That's really what power is like in this world. We pretend like it's real. Maybe we think it's real, but actually it's not real at all. And it manifests itself in in a variety of ways. You know, are you going to be anchored in the power that comes through the Holy Spirit? Are you going to be anchored in the power of this world? Because once again, we we kind of like power. Um, So, you know, maybe some of us, we we get on our HOA boards and listen, I'm I'm on my my HOA board, uh, but maybe we do it because we like to have the power and the control. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, uh, the, you know, the power that, uh, that, that maybe our work bestows on us, right? And, and we feel good about the, our responsibilities and power that comes with that. But once again, the, this isn't real power because, listen, you can get fired at any point. You can be voted off the HOA board at any point. Then you don't really have any power at all. Even if you're in, you know, you know tight with uh, your boss, your boss might get fired and the new one that comes in really doesn't like you like like your old boss did, and, and all of a sudden, you, you don't have power. That power isn't, isn't real. It's fake. But when we anchor ourselves in the Spirit of God, a real power that Jesus describes will come upon us. Now, what does it mean to be anchored in the Holy Spirit? I, I, the Holy Spirit's hard to, to, to preach, I have to be honest. Um, it, it's hard to get our minds around the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we can kind of get our minds around God, we can even kind of get our minds around, you know, God uh, sent his son into this wor- to, the, to the world, the, the word of God made flesh. I mean, we can, we can kind of conceptualize that and, and get our arms around it. But, but what is a spirit anyways, let alone a holy one? You know, how, how do we anchor ourselves in that? There's a lot of misconceptions about the, the, the Holy Spirit. You know, people often t- think of the Holy Spirit as the great it, well, the, the Holy Spirit's not an it. It, it. He's not a thing. Scripture says he's, he's a he. He's not just like this ghost or this invisible force. He is real. He is, is it, the promises is in, in, in Acts 2 in baptism is that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, and in, in, in we're going to see elsewhere, you know, other things where God promises that through the Holy Spirit will change and so forth. And that's coming later in the sermon. But, but the Holy Spirit's real. The Holy Spirit um, can be grieved. Uh, the Holy Spirit can mourn. The Holy Spirit actually occupies physical location um, because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're anchored in the Holy Spirit, we're anchored into something real. Now, God creates humans that we can get through life without the Holy Spirit. Um, you, you, you can still go to work without the Holy Spirit. You can still have a family without the Holy Spirit. You can do all these things without the Holy Spirit. But when we're anchored in the Holy Spirit, it will be different. And, and, and when we're anchored in the Holy Spirit, power will come upon us. And, and just as an illustration or an example, and I could have described this, but I think visuals are always better. Now, I've just got one of our vacuum cleaners from around here. It's a 
Jetpack One. And, you know, you can use this for a lot of things. You know, you can use it to maybe knock a wasp nest down, you know, that's up high. You can't reach it, you know, so it, it would work for that. You know, honestly, like if you got a hard-to-reach, you know, place back there, you can, you know, kind of scratch your back with it. But if you actually plugged it in, now you're going to be able to use it in a much more effective way. You'd be able to use it as a vacuum, as it was intended to be used. You'd be able to use it and get the most out of this thing when you actually plug it in. So what I would argue is that we can get through life uh, without the Holy Spirit, but when we anchor ourselves in the Holy Spirit, um, we will be, uh, be able to become what God has ultimately called for all of us to, to be, because there's power in the Holy Spirit, and the greatest power is this. I'm about to give you a bunch of other things, but, but the, the greatest power is, is faith. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, so apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from being anchored in the Holy Spirit and plugged into the Holy Spirit, we can't, we can't believe in God and we won't be saved. We'll see that. That, 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 that. That's the greatest power to the Holy Spirit. That's the one that applies to all of us. But now, in addition to that, what we're going to see and what I want to show you in Scripture is that when we are anchored in the Holy Spirit, Jesus says uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon his disciples and by extension all of us, that that, that can manifest itself in some really crazy ways. And, and what I'm about to share with you, um, it's all from the Bible. It, it, it's all uh, different people who received uh, power that comes from the Holy Spirit. But here's what you need to understand is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Holy Spirit comes upon us according to his will according to his choosing. So as I go through these things, it doesn't mean that every one of these things will apply to you. They probably won't. There's an infinite number of ways in which the power of the Holy Spirit might come upon us. But when we are anchored in the Holy Spirit, um, when we're plugged into the Holy Spirit, we will receive uh, specific manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I want to, in the remainder of our time, go through some of those with you this morning. And the first is this. Uh, when uh, we're anchored into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, is capable of giving us superhuman strength. Um, and, and we see that, and when you think of it, um, you, you might think of uh, someone in the Old Testament by the name of Samson. Now, what's funny about Samson is whenever you see a picture of Samson in a children's Bible or, you know, Google Samson, you're going to see this, like, big, beefy, like, bodybuilder dude. The Bible doesn't say that Samson was a big, beefy bodybuilder dude. In fact, I would guess he probably wasn't. Why? Because when Samson had his power, it wasn't because, listen, this guy could, you know, curl 150 pounds with each arm. It was because of the power of the Holy Spirit that would come upon him. Look at Judges chapter 14, 5 to 6. Now, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and his mother, and as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, Suddenly, a young lion uh, comes roaring towards Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, even as he might have torn a young goat. You see, Samson didn't tear apart that lion with his hands because he was just a beefy dude. He did it because the Holy Spirit came upon him and gave him this superhuman strength. And so... Every time, you know, in scriptures, you're reading the different stories of Samson, and he's defeating the enemies, the Philistines and so forth. Um, every time he has this, this bout of strength, if you will, it's because the Holy Spirit comes upon him and gives him this amazing, wonderful gift of superhuman strength. 
And when the spirit leaves him, it's gone. Look at Judges 16, 18 to, 29, 18 to 21. You know the story of Samson and Delilah. Delilah finds out his secrets of his strength, and she deceives him, and he loses it. Uh, ju- uh, Judges 16. Now, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines, they returned with the silver in their hands, and after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And then his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, just as I have before, I'm going to shake myself free of the, the Philistines. But he didn't know what. The Lord had left him. He didn't know that the spirit of the Lord had departed him. Then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes, and they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. So Samson didn't have an amazing strength in and of himself. His amazing strength comes when the spirit of the Lord would come upon him. When the spirit of the Lord left him, he was just ordinary like you and I. Now, I said the manifestations of the Spirit, as as many as as we can imagine, superhuman strength may just be one of them. But listen, strength comes in a variety of different forms. Um, You don't have to be uh, super strong uh, physically to be a strong person. You can be strong emotionally. You can be strong mentally. When you think of special operations uh, people uh, for the armed forces, um, it's not usually the big, beefy football-type players that do it. Why? Because strength is more than just, you know, your, your brute physical strength. You have to be strong in, in, in your mind. You have to be strong in your spirit. And my question is, or my challenge is this, as you're going through life, and as you face the difficulties of life and the challenges of life, if you are plugged into the Holy Spirit, um, the power of the Holy Spirit will, will give you the strength to be able to face whatever it is you might be facing, death of a loved one, problem with job, um, trying to raise rebellious kids. I could go on and on and on. Do you want to do that without being plugged in? I mean, you can, but you're not going to be nearly as effective as if you are plugged in to the Holy Spirit who gives us strength that comes in a variety of different forms. Another power that comes uh, as the Holy Spirit comes upon people is just the power and the ability to lead people. There's an interesting story in Scripture. Moses is getting just fed up with the people of Israel after he leads them out of Egypt, and he's becoming overwhelmed. But no one else has the, the real ability to lead in the way that Moses does. Well, Moses' ability to lead is because the Spirit of God is upon him, and after he complains to God about this, God takes some of the Spirit that's upon Moses and shares it with 70 other leaders, and suddenly now they have the ability to lead in a way that they didn't before. Look at Numbers 11, 10 to 17. Now Moses heard the people of every family, they're wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord had become exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What did I ever do to displease you that you put this burden of all the people on me? Did I conceive these people? Did did I give them birth? Am I their daddy? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is far too heavy, heavy for me. 
If this is how you're going to treat me, then please go ahead and kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. Then the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you to be leaders and to be officials amongst the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and I'll speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and I'll put it on them and then they will be able to share the burden of the people with you so that you won't have to carry it alone. So leadership, and it's not to say that you can't be a leader if, you don't have, if you're not anchored in the Holy Spirit, but if you're anchored in the Holy Spirit and if you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, you will lead in a different way. Uh, you would hope that, that, that your leaders you know, in, in church, you know, the pastor and the other staff, that they would lead with, with, with that leadership gift of the Holy Spirit. But honestly, even in your own job, if you're a leader in your job, if you're anchored in the Holy Spirit, you're going to make decisions a little differently. You're going you're gonna to maybe be able to tell when, when something, you know, someone's got real trouble and someone's trying to just, you know, run a fast one by or whatever. You will be a different person if you're anchored in the Holy Spirit. How about in your families? It's messy in families. It's messy in relationships as we try to lead. It's messy um, trying to raise children who are rebellious. You can do it on your own. You don't have to be anchored in the Holy Spirit. You, you can sit there and read like all the, the books on, on you know, how you use positive reinforcement and how to do this and that. And, and you can try to, try to do it. But how much more powerfully will you lead your children and, and, and your family and your grandchildren if you're anchored in the Holy Spirit and, and the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you? Ultimately, the Holy Spirit makes us a different person. Look at 1 Samuel 10, 6-7. Samuel is the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And uh, Scripture says this about Samuel. Uh, God tells Samuel, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy to them, and you will cha be changed into a different person. He's telling Samuel, when, that whole, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will not be the same person that you once were. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. When the Holy Spirit's upon you, you will be changed, and God will be with you. And, and you know what? That's not only a promise to Samuel, but for all of us who are anchored in the Holy Spirit, for all of us who receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, we too will become changed in different people. Jesus says it. Look at John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't re-enter a second time into their mother's womb to be reborn. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. For flesh will give birth to flesh, but the spirit will give birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. For the wind blows wherever it pleases. Uh, you hear its sound, uh, but you can't tell from where it comes and you can't tell where it's going. So it is everyone that's been born of the spirit. So in Samuel's case, God's telling Samuel, you're going to be a different person. Jesus says that when we are born again, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we're going to be a different person. You're going to no longer live to the old sinful ways of the flesh. It's not that we can ever be perfect and, and we won't ever be at a point in which we don't sin at all, but, but 
but you won't live those like, like you did before. You're going to live according to the will of God. You will be made new. Uh, you will become a different person when you're anchored in the Holy Spirit and, and, and plugged into his power. When we're plugged into his power, um, what we will witness in our lives is this. We're going to witness many signs, wonders, and miracles in our lives. I want to show you 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how when the Holy Spirit's upon you, he's going to give you different gifts and abilities. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. Once again, the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit it can be as uh, many as like your mind can imagine. But if you are anchored in the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to have some gifts, some abilities, do some things, see some things that you otherwise would not be able to do. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, mind you, the manifestation of the Spirit isn't, isn't given for your good. Samson didn't have power just so like all the, you know, girls thought he was like this really hot, muscular dude. No, it was given to, to free the Israelites from the Philistines. So this is the first thing that you got to keep, keep in mind. And this is the, the different message that you'll hear uh, about the spirit here than in, in some more charismatic churches. Is, is In more charismatic churches, the, the spirit they see is kind of like their gift in, in, in that, that they kind of uh, tell the, the spirit what, what they want to do when the spirit tells us what he wants to do. And it's, it's about the common good rather than our own individual good. To the one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, what? Look at miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, listen, not everyone has all of these. It's saying to another this, to another that's One might have this. A couple might have that. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. What's interesting in more of the Pentecostal churches is that that's the sign that you, that you got the spirit is that you speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12 says to, to, to one, uh, they have this, and to another, they have this. It's not to everyone has this. But it's the one that really can't be proven, and so it's the one that everyone puts on to show that they do, you know, have the Spirit. But that's not how it works. And, and, and still to another, to one, an interpretation of tongues. These are the works of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So you can't sit there and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I, my church says if you speak in tongues, you got the Holy Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be asking for and getting the, the, the gift of speaking in tongues. No, these gifts are given by the Spirit, not for your good, it's for the common good. And as he determines, not as you determine. I love hearing like people's God stories. People that are anchored into the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they have crazy stories. I had an, an, an elderly lady after a early service who was just rattling off all of her stories. I'm like, I... I I love your stories. Thanks for sharing your stories. I got to put the vacuum up. I got to get the baptism. I got to do some different things, but man, thanks for sharing. And I'm being serious. She had crazy stories. I love hearing people's stories. I've known people who literally had uh, thugs that were out to get him and he walked right by him and they, they weren't able to see him. Um, I, I've known people who've you know, claimed that God has uh, told them that this person right over here that they've never met before had this great need and, and in faith they, they speak out to him that way and, and, and it, it's exactly as uh, God had told 
told them, um, you know, I've witnessed uh, countless numbers of wonders and signs and so forth. Uh, But the point is this, is that it's not that it's going to happen every day. It's not that it's going to happen every week. I'm not saying it's going to happen every month. I don't even know if it would happen every year. But the point is, is that when we're anchored in the Holy Spirit, as God's Spirit determines, he will manifest himself in some pretty crazy ways. And hopefully in the course of your life, you've had some of those encounters. And as you talk to other people who are anchored in the Spirit, uh, be encouraged by their encounters and their stories. It might be the gift of healing that you've experienced in a way that the doctors couldn't explain. Maybe it was protection from, from harm. Maybe it was just answered prayers. Maybe it was a mysterious counter. Uh, I, I, listen, it's infinite. It's infinite the number of ways that, that, that God's Spirit's going to work. But the point is, is when we're anchored in God's Spirit, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, some crazy things will happen that you just won't be able to explain as you go throughout your life. Next, uh, next kind of power of the Holy Spirit is, um, is superhuman knowledge. And so let me say about that is that I, I like to refer to the scene around a corner. Like there's just sometimes that God gives us knowledge, wisdom, insight to that we just probably shouldn't have known that or most people wouldn't have expected that, but we, we know that it's, it's about to happen. Um, that, that, that's one of the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon people. It's a manifestation in which it happens. There's a really cool story in Scripture where after Jesus was born, as his parents were bringing him for his circumcision, um, that there was this person that didn't, you know, it wasn't announced to him that Jesus was the Messiah, like for the shepherds that were out in the field. He just knew when this family came by that this was the Messiah, and it amazed his, uh, his parents. It was because of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke chapter 2, 25 to 35. So there was a man in Jerusalem that was called Simeon, who was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, the Holy Spirit's upon him, and it had been revealed to him, how? By the Holy Spirit, that he wouldn't die uh, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, like he had no reason to think that it was time to go into the temple courts, but the Spirit's given him this knowledge, he's being moved by the Spirit to do it. And all of a sudden, when Mary and Joseph, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for uh, him what the custom of the law required, Simeon goes, he takes him in his arms and begins praising God and saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now may dismiss your servant in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Mary and Joseph they marveled at what was said about Jesus. They, they probably didn't fully understand Jesus that way, let alone the stranger just coming up and snagging their baby out of their arms and saying that. Simeon then goes on and blesses uh, and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So once again, um, this ability to know things that otherwise we really shouldn't know is just 
one of the gifts, one of the manifestations, one of the powers that comes by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we have that kind of ability to see around corners or, or maybe a strong feeling on something, it will actually affect what we do and don't do. Take a look at, uh, at how the Holy Spirit will actually guide our paths. Uh, the Apostle Paul has this uh, really cool encounter where he's trying to take the message of Christ into uh, Asia, uh, but the Spirit doesn't want him to. So the Spirit uh, is actually trying to push and guide Paul in a different direction. Look at Acts 16, 6 to 7. So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. So listen, you can go through life if you want, unanchored to the Holy Spirit. You can go through life without the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you keep banging your head into the wall, now you'll know why. Have you ever felt like a salmon swimming upstream and just things aren't kind of going and things aren't working? Why? Because sometimes when we're anchored into God's Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, He's actually trying to guide and direct our path. But sometimes we're just too stupid, too bullheaded, too hardheaded to, to really listen to it. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give great power to people, uh, but he actually uh, gives that same power to the church. Look at Acts 4, 23 to 25 and 30 to 31. Now on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, when they had heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Now stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So we see not only the outpouring of, of, of the Spirit in individual lives, but in a church's life, so much so that as, as they're praying this prayer in faith and calling upon God's Spirit to work, the, the place that they're meeting is literally shaken. Can you imagine, like, not only the power, if we actually are anchored into the Spirit and plugged into the Spirit, the, the power that we have individually, but what about if all of us in this church, what about if light of the world, we're all, like, really in tune with the Holy Spirit, really, um, you know, receiving that power that that he pours out upon us, what kind of ministry could it be if uh, we were all um, uh, just, just plugged into the Holy Spirit in that powerful way? Um, last thing that, uh, the last really power that I want to speak about is really the most important power of the Holy Spirit, and that is ultimately to, um, to belong to Christ. Uh, it says, without the Spirit, you do not belong to Christ. Uh, a positive way of saying it is this, is that um, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you can't be saved unless you're anchored in the Spirit of God. And if you're anchored in the Spirit of God, the power of the Spirit of God is going to be upon you. And the greatest power is your own salvation. Look at Romans 8, 5 to 9. Those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they're going to have their minds set on what the Spirit desires because the mind that's governed by the flesh is death, but the mind that's governed by the Spirit is life and peace. 
You see, the mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile to God. If we're not anchored in the Holy Spirit, we're, we're going to be hostile to God. We're going to be enemies of God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it even do so. But those who are in the realm, uh, and those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you are now in the realm of the spirit. And if the spirit of, indeed, the spirit of God lives in you, if you're anchored in the spirit of God, then the power of the spirit of God is going to be upon you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. So listen, it's not about having like Samson's strength. It's not about being able to see around corners. It's not about having this mysterious encounters. The first thing, the most important thing that we need to get a hold of is, is if we're not anchored in the spirit of God, we can't be saved. Because if you're not anchored in the spirit of God, then you're not going to be living in obedience to God and according to his word and his will. So, you know, it, before we you know, want to pretend like, like we can speak in tongues and, and, and feel better about our faith because we are, the first thing that we need to do is, is somehow identify, am I anchored in Christ or am I anchored in the Holy Spirit? Because as we're talking about when we are, all of a sudden we're going to have access to this power that God chooses, not us. But how do we know as you're sitting here today, how do you know if, if, if you're really anchored in the Spirit of God? Well, honestly, there's probably a lot of different ways you can kind of check that, but I want to encourage you, uh, maybe challenge you with words from Galatians 5, because Paul's going to describe for us the life of someone who's anchored in the Spirit and what that looks like versus someone that's not anchored in the Spirit. And I want you, as I read this to you, I want you to kind of figure out where you fit in this. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 to 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit... And if you walk by the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Because if the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, because what you want is going to be the flesh. What you want is going to be the, the old self. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not going to do what you want, but you're going to do you know, what, what Christ has called for you to do. You're not under the law. You're, you're just going to be living in obedience to God uh, because the Spirit lives and dwells in us. Now look at this, verse 19. The acts of the flesh, in other words, if we're, living, if we're not anchored in the Spirit, if we're just anchored in this world, or we're anchored in ourselves, or we're anchored in our family, or we're anchored in our work, it's going to become obvious because the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, but hatred. How are you with hatred? How about with discord? How about jealousy? You a jealous person? How about fits of rage? Do you, do you blow your top? Selfish ambition. Dissensions, factions, how about envy? How about drunkenness, orgies and the like, you know, along that list? You know, how many of these are you, you dinging? I mean, we're, none of us are perfect, so we're going to be dinging some of these, but these are signs that you're not anchored in the Spirit. Paul says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because the, the, the flesh is hostile to God. 
That not, you can't be saved uh, apart from faith in Christ. No one can say Jesus is Lord except those that are anchored in the Spirit of God. So if, if, if that list that I just read fits you, be concerned. But the fruit of the Spirit, now, now here's a different list that Paul gives. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you a loving person? Would people say you're joyful? Would people say that you have a sense of peace about you, uh, that you have forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Are, are you self-controlled? You see, this is the, this is the list of, of those who, who are anchored in the Spirit. Now listen, once again, we're, we're never like fully removed from our sinful nature, so I'm not saying you're going to have to bat a thousand there. I'm not, I'm not saying that you probably have all of those mastered, but what I would really hope is that, that we're way heavier on that second list than what we are on the first. Because those who belong to Christ, those who are going to be saved, have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, we started this message series out about being anchored in the presence of Christ, extremely important. And we conclude it with being anchored in the Spirit of God, also extremely important. Um, would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Almighty God, we just thank and praise you for this, um, this time to come and worship and to be challenged and maybe encouraged by these words as well. I just pray, merciful God, especially for any of us in here that maybe um, are questioning whether or not we are anchored in your spirit. Um, for any of us that maybe in that first set of, uh, of, of lists of, uh, of behaviors find ourselves rather than the second list, I just pray, gracious God, that you bring our, our hearts to repentance. Um, I pray, gracious God, that you would um, give us obedience to you, to give our lives to you, um, that you would pour your spirit upon us, uh, that we might be anchored in that spirit, and that we might be, um, uh, receive the power that Jesus speaks about when the spirit comes upon us. Help us, gracious God, to have our, spirit, uh, our faith confirmed through the signs and the wonders that the spirit gives as, uh, as he chooses rather than as we choose. We pray all this in the name that is above every name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.